section thirty six of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter two many like myself are sick of this disease that when they know not how to write yet cannot refrain from writing erasmus the following letters were put into gertrude's hand one morning the first she opened was sealed with an evergreen leaf motto je ne change morant i am inexpressibly pained to think what an opinion my dearest cousin must have formed of me from having allowed so much time to elapse ere i commenced a correspondence from which believe me i expect to derive the most unfeigned and heartfelt delight but you my dear friend whose fate it has been to rome and other realms to view will i am sure make allowance for the apparent neglect and unkindness i have been guilty of which be assured was very far from designed on my part indeed scarce a day has elapsed since we parted that i have not planned taking up my pen to address you and to attempt to convey to you some idea however faint of all i have seen and felt since bidding adieu to caledonia but alas so many of the vulgar cases of life obtrude themselves even here in wilds unknown to public view as have left me little leisure for the interchange of thought were it not for these annoyances and the want of a congenial soul to pour forth my feelings to i could almost imagine myself in paradise apropos is a certain regiment still at b and have you got acquainted with any of the officers yet you will perhaps be tempted to smile at that question but i assure you there is nothing at all in it the major and bell or mrs major waddell as she wishes to be called in future as she thinks bell too familiar an appellation for a married woman are i think an uncommon happy attached pair the only drawback to their happiness is the major's having been particularly bilious of late which he ascribes to the heat of the weather but expects to derive the greatest benefit from the waters of harrogate for my part i am sure many a longing lingering look i shall cast behind when we bid adieu to the sylvan shores of winander i have attempted some views of it which may serve to carry to you some idea of its beauties one on a watch-paper i think my most successful effort the major has rallied me a good deal as to who that is intended for but positively that is all a joke i do assure you but it is time that i should now attempt to give you some account of my travels though as i promise myself the delight of showing you my journal when we meet i shall omit the detail of our journey and at once waft you to what i call lakeland but where shall i find language to express my admiration one thing i must not omit to mention in order that you may be able to conceive some idea of the delight we experienced and for which we were indebted to the major's politeness and gallantry in order to surprise us he proposed our taking a little quiet sail as he termed it on the lake all was silence when upon a signal made figure to yourself the astonishment and delight of mrs major and myself when a grand flourish of french horns burst upon our ears waking the echoes all round the delightful harmony was repeated from every recess which echo haunted on the borders of the lake 
at first indeed the surprise was almost too much for mrs major and she became a little hysterical but she was soon recovered by the major's tenderness and assurances of safety indeed he is without exception the most exemplary and devoted husband i ever beheld still i confess but that is entre nous that to me the little taste he displays for the tuneful nine would be a great drawback to my matrimonial felicity after having enjoyed this delightful concert we bade a long adieu to the sylvan shores of all's water and proceeded to keswick or as it is properly denominated derwent water which is about three miles long its pure transparent bosom studded with numberless wooded islands and its sides beautifully variegated with elegant mansions snow-white cottages taper spires pleasant fields adorned by the hand of cultivation and towering groves that seem as if impervious to the light of day the celebrated fall of lodore i shall not attempt to depict but figure if you can a stupendous cataract rushing headlong over enormous rocks and crags which vainly seem to oppose themselves to its progress with regret we tore ourselves from the cultivated beauties of derwent and taking a look en passant of the more secluded grasmere and rydal we at length found ourselves on the shores of the magnificent winander picture to yourself if it be possible stupendous mountains rearing their cloud-capped heads in all the sublimity of horror while an immense sheet of azure reflected the crimson and yellow rays of the setting sun as they floated o'er its motionless green bosom on which was impressed the bright image of the surrounding woods and meadows speckled with snowy cottages and elegant villas i really felt as if inspired so much was my enthusiasm kindled and yet i fear my description will fail in conveying to you any idea of this never-to-be-forgotten scene but i must now bid you adieu which i do with the greatest reluctance how thought flows upon me when i take up my pen how inconceivable to me the distaste which some people express for letter-writing scribbling as they contemptuously term it how i pity such vulgar souls you my dear cousin i am sure are not one of them i have scarcely left room for mrs major to add a p s adieu your affectionate lily mrs waddell's postscript was as follows ma chere cousine of course you cannot expect that i a married woman can possibly have much leisure to devote to my female friends with an adoring husband who never stirs from my side and to whom my every thought is due but this much injustice to myself i think it proper to say that i am the happiest of my sex and i find my waddell everything generous kind and brave isabella waddell the perusal of this letter was a severe tax upon gertrude's patience as it has doubtless been upon all who have read it though tempted to laugh at it she was however too generous to expose it to ridicule and therefore hastened to commit the fair lily's lucubrations to the flames poor miss lily like many other misses had long aimed at the character of an elegant letter-writer and this epistle she looked upon as one of her happiest efforts she had studied it she had meditated upon it she had written a scrawl of it she had consulted her journal upon it in short she had composed it one may compose a sermon or an essay or an anything save a letter but when a letter is composed all persons of taste must feel it is an odious composition to speak with the pen is the art of letter-writing and even a confused vulgar natural letter flowing direct from the brain or it may be from the heart of one of uncultivated intellect 
is more pleasing than the most studied and elaborate performance from the same source but in letter-writing as in conversation many seem to study to make themselves tiresome who had they allowed their pens and their tongues to take their natural course might have remained at least inoffensive yet many have lived to write good plain matter-of-fact letters who have spent the early years of their life composing sentences and rounding periods and writing descriptions from the false ideas they entertain on this subject but enough of condemnation on this after all venial transgression the other letter was in a different strain as follows my dear cousin i feel encouraged to the liberty i am going to take by the kindness you showed me when at bellevue your good will may now be the means of rendering me an essential service and i would feel myself to blame if false diffidence should hinder me from unbosoming myself to you i was several times on the point of explaining myself to you but thought i could more easily do it in writing and now that i take up my pen i wish i had rather spoken to you when i had so many favourable opportunities but why am i so wavering and foolish when i ought with confidence to look to him who has promised to direct the christian's path and who has promised that he will never leave nor forsake those who put their trust in him and acknowledge him in all their ways i must now trust to your patience while i tell my tale a mutual attachment has subsisted between william leslie and myself from our earliest years but he is poor and on that account and that only it is not sanctioned by my parents of course you will believe that i never would enter into a so sacred a connection without their consent i love and reverence them too much and above all i fear god but fain would i hope that had he a competency their prejudices for prejudices i must call them would be overcome william's choice was early pointed to the church and his clerical education has for some time been completely finished but hitherto all his efforts to procure a living have proved ineffectual my father might assist him but he is very lukewarm in the cause as both my mother and he declare they cannot bear the idea of seeing me the wife of a poor minister but i have learnt that poverty is a comparative thing and that a competence to some is riches while to others wealth seems little better than splendid want it is true riches will be denied me but the greater blessings of peace and mutual affection may by the blessing of god be my happy lot even when called upon to endure hardship and privations our souls will not be cast down for with one heart and one faith we will cheerfully bear the crosses of this life looking forward to the inseparable and everlasting happiness of that which is to come better is a dinner of herbs where love is than to sit in the joyless ease of indifference amidst heartless grandeur or to drink the bitter cup of variance ah my dear cousin god only can put gladness in the heart and tis not by the world or the things of the world if as i believe religion be indeed the soul of happiness then may i reasonably hope for that peace which the world cannot give with one whom i have known and loved from my earliest years and whose faith and practice are those of a follower of jesus christ this attachment is no phantom of a heated imagination our mutual love is now a principle it cannot be extinguished but it may be sacrificed to a still more sacred claim i again repeat i never will marry without the consent and blessing of my parents but were my dear william provided for i think their pride would yield to their stronger feeling of affection for me yet i almost blush to trouble you with my selfish concerns though i know you will befriend me if you can the church of clearburn is in lord rossville's gift 
the present incumbent is old and infirm and an assistant and successor is to be immediately appointed i do not ask you to recommend william leslie because you ought not to recommend one to fill so sacred an office who is utterly unknown to you but if you would name him to lord rossville if you would request of him to inquire into his character and qualifications of those who can judge of them and then if you will support him with your influence you will confer a heartfelt obligation on your faithful and affectionate cousin anne black end of section thirty six